RadioInfluence.com. This is the Valor Hour on Radio Influence. Your weekly glimpse inside all things Valor Fights and a look at what's going on in the rest of the MMA community. Now, here's your host, Tim Loy. Hey guys, Greg Hoffman, your host here with the Valor Hour. Tim's out this week, so my co-host Justin will be taking care of y'all. We're going to give a quick recap over USC 238, a look into this week's Bellator. We have a a Valor vet on there as well, and uh, a look over the VSC 60. And we also go through our quarterly winner for our picks panel, along with the rest of our 60 winners here on the Valor Hour this week. Now let's get to our interview with Darren Hastings. All right, guys, Darren Hastings here with a fantastic win over over Drew Zornholdus. How do you pronounce his name there? Let's start this over. Zornha- it's Zornhaus. Zornhouse. Let's start this over real quick. I'm sorry. It caught me off guard. That wasn't now. All right. Ready? Mm-hmm. All right. Here with Darren Hastings here, and he just fought uh, Drew Zornhouse. Is that Zornhouse? Is that how you pronounce that name right there, Darren Hastings? I believe it's Zornhouse. Zornhouse. All right. He, he got me mm-hmm. off there. Uh, y'all had a good little scramble there in the beginning, and uh, he's a he's a pretty thick guy right there uh, when you guys were coming into the cage. I want to ask you a few questions. First off, congratulations on a huge victory. You, uh, what did you Thank find? You. Two, two and one, right? Two and one. That's right. Uh, yeah, I want to I want to ask you a couple questions. Uh, your camp leading up to this spot, man. Can you go over that with me and tell me uh, anything you guys expected out of this fight? Didn't expect anything? Just maybe walk me through it. Um, well, whereas the last time, obviously, as you all mentioned uh, in the commentary, I, I've watched the fight a couple of times on Flow, and you guys mentioned that I was running into punches during my second fight, and that was accurate. And as a you know. A, a beginner mistake, a novice move, and I definitely did it. And I, I've watched that fight several times as well, and it was so obvious. So, coming into this fight, the plan was exactly what I did. I took him down first opportunity. He threw a slow kick, and I grabbed his leg, and I took him down. And that was kind of where where we had focused, <clears throat> you know, over the couple months leading into the fight. I did a lot of ground stuff. I was prepared for him to be on top of me, you know, and, and, and do some jiu-jitsu and, and, and everything. So I really up to my jiu-jitsu game, and uh, so that's where that's where we were. Hey, well, another thing I wanted to ask you about while I had you on here, Darren, uh, your nickname, it, it was, what was the, uh, what was your, your other, your, your original nickname, <laughs> and then you changed it since then? <laughs> the ultimate adjudicator. And then I realized that people are like, uh, well, what's, what's adjudicator? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And so then I, and then I went to back to what, uh, Justin initially called me in the first fight which is the hammer of justice. And I, I've the gotten a lot of compliments on <laughs> now, I Yeah, I've gotten a lot of compliments on I just didn't know if the, if the jiu-jitsu rolling would have uh, really, like, came into play for the hammer of justice because you laid it down. <laughs> and, uh, man, I can't help but notice I'm a little social social media guy, so I get on there all the time and I look and I see where Drew was upset with the stoppage and whatnot. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you know, in, in my opinion, you can't lay there and take hits over and over again and expect the referee to sit there and take care of you. And, baby, he's going to have to call the fight eventually. You know, so, I mean, that stoppage, you agree with it? Because uh, I know that you did say on there we can run it back anytime you'd like. Is that something that uh, Eric Eric Turner would be interested in? Is that something you guys are looking forward to at all? 
I haven't spoken with Eric about it, so I don't definitely don't want to speak for for Coach there. But um, I would love to rematch with with Drew. Now, I, I, he and I have, have talked, and, and we've you know we've kind of become friends or you know close acquaintances, however you want to <clears throat> talk about it. And he's a really nice guy, um, but I, I do think that that he thinks it was kind of a fluke. Um, right, yeah. which bothers, which bothers me. It actually pisses me off to some degree. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm ready to, I'm ready to go again to prove that I can do it again. So, well, yeah, it, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, any, any day, that's fine. Yeah. I'd absolutely love to see that fight again, because I mean, you guys had a battle there, not just like standing, but on the ground and the people don't understand the, 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 the aspect of the ground game and how like gruesome and miserable mm-hmm. it is grueling going like just mm-hmm. staying on the ground. People don't see it, but it's just, it's all there. But, uh, a couple things I wanted to hit on too, is the, the emphasize your age. Don't you tell our listeners how old you are, Darren? I am 46 and I'll be 47 on August 4th. <laughs> how do you feel though? Dude, I tell you what, I was in the Navy, uh, joined the Navy when I was 19 years old, and I have never in my life felt this fit and, and this, you know, I, this athletic. So I was in the band in high school. I was not a sports guy. I was awkward in sports. And, you know, to some degree, sometimes I see that awkwardness even in MMA, but it's like the more, you, you can literally train out of that. And that's what I've discovered i got bullied in school all these things are coming together in my later years you know and and it's it's making me what what i'm becoming right now all these little things like you're a band nerd you were picked on i was very heavy also for a good majority of my life there was a point in my life um the mother of my children uh my former wife she uh, passed away in 2006, and uh, right after she died, I got up to nearly 360 pounds. So I was a very big guy, and uh, so like I said, all of these things are combining right now. It's kind of like the perfect storm for me to do this. And I know I'm, you know, it's, it's later in life, but I tell you what, I wouldn't have it any other way, and I feel extremely healthy. Back to your question. Well, hey, man, better later than never. Man, you reached 360 pounds. That's something else, which, uh, you know, looking at you now, I would have never guessed that because one of the questions I was going to ask you is what do you do outside of – like, what, well, one, it's like a mixture. I want to know when you started MMA, and two, what mm-hmm. do you do outside of MMA to, like, keep that, keep your body shape? Because you look you're, – you're in phenomenal shape. I mean, not just for a 46-year-old, soon to be 47, but for anybody. I mean, you look a lot better than, Thanks. you know – a good percent of the guys that come out there, you do. What else do you do out there outside of MMA, and when did you get started in MMA? Well, I started in MMA um, August. I came to KMA August 24th of 2017. So it'll be two years in August that I started KMA. And initially, it's like with a lot of people like Liv Parker, uh, I just started for the fitness aspect of it. And in my mind, being I was like 215, 220 pounds at that point when I started, in my mind, I, having been 360 pounds, I was like, well, I'm in pretty good shape, you know, little did I know. And then I started working into jiu-jitsu, and then I started working with Jason over at Frankie's, Jason King. Jason King is phenomenal. You will start getting in shape without even knowing you're getting in shape. It, you don't feel it coming on until you look in the mirror and you're like, wow, I'm really changing. 
And so Jason has been a huge, huge part of that transformation. Yeah, one thing about Jason King is, you know, like in, in, in a person, a trainer that you can get that does the same things that you do, if you see them doing it, it really helps you motivate mm-hmm. because if you got like somebody out of shape and they're not, they're a trainer, but they don't really do it anymore. And all, they just, right. Yeah, yeah, you can say it, but when you see them do it right behind you, it's just a whole nother yeah. level of I can, you know, and they push you to do things that you don't think you can. Man, that's phenomenal. 360 pounds. You started in 2017. You'd already lost over mm-hmm. 100, 140 by then. Uh Man, but that's, right. you know, all that is no small feat. No, I mean, that's, that's, that's spectacular. So what else do you, you, you work out over at uh, Frankie's, and that's what you do outside right. of the MMA gym here? Yeah, I mean, but I also have a – I'm a lawyer, and I have a full-time job. I actually have a couple of jobs. I work for the federal government as an attorney, and I also have an entertainment law client, a, um, a music producer, fairly well-known, that uh, lives in Las Vegas right now. So I'm – back and forth to Las Vegas uh, th- Las Vegas throughout the year as well. So outside of going to Frankie's and KMAA, what, two, four, six, eight, eight to ten hours a week and, and going with Jason, Jason three hours a week and working full time. And, oh, yeah, i got a pretty busy life. And I also have two little girls as well. So, man, um, you gotta- they're teenagers. So. About three full plates there, loaded full. Man, yeah, I heard, I heard through the grapevine that you were a lawyer and you you had a full plate, you know, twenty four seven or you were twenty five eight if you if, you know have you will. But uh, <laughs> I didn't know how true the lawyer thing was and whatnot. And that's somebody mentioned. And I was like, you know, he's a, he's an amateur fighter and he's a lawyer and he does all this other stuff. I was like, that's that's a pretty full gig right there, man. Well, uh, can you uh, can you give some insight on what your future plans are? I mean, I know you got you're not going to quit. We see we've seen you three times in the last. What four, four or five months? So what, what, what you got coming up next? Do you have any idea? Um, I, I don't know who is lined up. I won't be fighting, as far as I know, in this uh, upcoming for um, July, as far as I know. But um, I'm hoping, you know, maybe something for August. Uh, it's up to obviously up to Eric and and Tim, as far as that goes. Um, I don't know if they want to rematch me with Drew right away. But um, no, I'm I'm not stopping. As far as I'm concerned, it, it's only just begun. So uh, I would like to eventually fight as a pro. I mean, I know I'm too old. Just age-wise, I'm too old to go into the UFC. As far as I know, and 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 that's just that. At this point, I, I don't see it as being realistic. However, I do think that I could fight as a pro at some level. You know, whether it be in Fowler or some other local promotion or something. And that at this point, that's my goal. Initially it was, I want to do one MMA fight in my entire life, bucket list, that type of thing. And now no, it's become, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's just become, it, I, I'm just addicted, you know? No. Yeah. I mean, you, once you start doing this, you, you develop, if you hadn't already, you've developed in a passion for it. I mean, but like mm-hmm. I said, no small feat, you know, and it, you know, the fighting as a pro, it doesn't seem like a, it's uh, too far beyond the stars for you to reach out to get that and do it here in the next few years because you started, you know, what, two years ago and you're already at this level. You've uh, you've come up quick and you, you ain't stopping yet. Uh, I got one more thing to tell you, and then I'm going to sure. give you a chance for your shout-outs and, let you know, tell everybody that you love them and everything. But uh, I'm going to tell you this, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm guilty, Darren, and I'm sorry because the first time I picked against you, I believe, but the panel picked against you three and oh solid and uh you you were the underdog on paper you were the underdog here at the valley you were the underdog and you uh you overcame so uh you are the overcomer you are the overcomer darren hastings and uh, i want you to let us know on the picks panel how you really feel about us right now don't be afraid to let well, go 
Yeah, well, actually, I would like for in the future for you to always pick against me. Uh, <laughs> sounds like that's the key, because <laughs> I believe you may have picked for me in the second fight. I'm not really sure. No, um, in all seriousness, I totally understand. I mean, I got, you know, KTFO in about 23 seconds, that second fight. Um, so I understand the hesitancy, hesitancy to uh, pick me going into this. Um, looks can be deceiving though as well. And, you know, Drew's in phenomenal shape. He's in better shape than I am as far as aesthetically. And, you know, he, he, um, and I admire him for that and whatnot, but that doesn't make you a great fire. And, uh, so, you know, I, I totally understand where you guys were coming from. I would like to think that you guys wouldn't judge a book by its cover, but I don't think it was based on that. I think it was based on, how I was just kind of panicked and ran into my pick was based on the fact that you fell in love with that punch in the second fight. You fell in love with the hands <laughs> and you wanted to stand up. That's where, so I was, yeah. I was crazy to, to wonder on where you were going to take this fight. That's what my pick. Well, was. you know, I have good, I I'll just say this. You guys know I have good coaches. I have amazing oh, coaches. True. I have the best coaches. So you had yeah, to have true. known that they were going to let me do that stupid mistake again. And so for two months, I got preached at over that. You know what I'm saying? And uh, fun. Yeah. It, but but oh, yeah. It, they definitely, you know, they definitely got into my head, obviously, because I, the last thing I was thinking about was standing and banging with him. So with Drew, rather. Well, phenomenal victory for you there, Darren. And uh, we hope to see you in the cage soon. Go ahead and, uh, you know, let all your loved ones know that you love them and get some shout outs where they're due. Well, first of all, I just, you know, I want to thank God and uh, for a number of personal reasons. Can't believe that I'm, I just had my third fight. Can't believe I won my third fight. Uh, a lot of stuff has been going on personally in my life since January, a lot of bad stuff um, that I don't want to get into, obviously. But I, I do want to thank God because I know without God, none of this would have happened. He is that second fight or going back that real quick, you know, I really had, my head was in the wrong place. So God has been able to pull me out of that, um, that place that I was in my second fight. The first fight I was going on pure. I'm not going to lose because this is my first fight. But by the third one, I felt more comfortable and I, I attribute that to God. Um, my family, my little girls, Olivia and Mallory, um, my mom, my dad, my uncle, who has been there for me, my real estate agent, who's been there for me, a coworker named Greg Wallace, who's always comes to all, he's been to all three of my fights and supported me. Everybody else who's been out to my fights and bought tickets and supported me. Um, and obviously, last but not least, Eric Turner and Joey Zonar and uh, Jason King. I love those guys. You know, <laughs> I, they just mean the world to me. I can't believe that they have believed in me to even get me, let me get in that cage. And they're just phenomenal people, and uh, I'm so grateful to them as well. All right, Darren. Well, hell, man, we appreciate you, dude, and congratulations on your victory. Hope to see you soon, man. Thanks. Appreciate you, Greg, and good job to you as well. That was a, hey. that was a great night for both of us. All right, thanks, Darren Hastings, for that interview. And we're going to move on to the Valor Fighting Challenge 60. We're going to do a recap here with our picks panel. I'm going to go ahead and let you guys know. Uh, last week we had our uh, picks submitted in, and uh, 
myself and Jeff Jeff uh, Jeff Hobbs we tied with nine wins and four losses on the night. Everybody went for Franklin Brown, but he won via forfeit, so we're adding him in on our wins there. And uh, Mark actually took the show this weekend with a 10, 10 and ten wins and three losses. Uh, Yeah, congratulations to Mark Wall, the cut man over here, and uh, as uh, you know, Jeff and I in our agony of defeat. But that also brings us to our quarterly, you know, three event hundred dollar challenge there. And uh, in third place, we got Jeff Hobbs with thirty one victories and eleven losses. We have Mark Laws with thirty two victories and ten losses, and you have your host with the most with the most. Uh, I'm sorry, wins 34 and the least losses 38. I'm sorry, 8. My bad. That's right. You're just making up shit, with 38 losses. Yeah, I'm just throwing all my numbers out there, but I'm telling you right now, 34 and 8 with your victory on the picks channel. So let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, go to the first five. We had Darren Hastings over Drew Zornohutz, and uh, he won via via KO, TKO on the ground there. Whoa. He won in the second Wait. round. We're not talking about no. the the Jose Rodriguez and Joe Long fight that started the night off. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry about that. We skipped that one because that was that was not on my list here. But yeah, the Jose. Oh Jesus Christ! I got the wrong list here. Let me get that one out. Time out. Where's Tim Loy? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Tim. All right, yeah. All right, let's go back to it. Jose Rodriguez and Rambo Joe Long of the night. We all three picked Joe Long. But Joe Long having ten wins and one loss on his record against Jose Rodriguez, which was zero, and you know he had he was a, a debut fighter there uh, at advanced high rules. Uh, Jeff, you want to you want to recap that fight for us? Well, I, I don't think there's any doubt that this was the, probably the most surprising outcome uh, of the entire card. Uh, you know, our picks panel was pretty quick on the draw with uh, who we all liked in this one, and. There was nothing about this fight, uh, like you said, a debut tie fighter uh, against a, a hell a valor champion uh, in MMA that uh, has a ten and one uh, tie record. So this was without a doubt the um, uh, the long shot sleeper steal of the night here. But uh, you know, it was a hell of a way to start off a, a, a fight card. You know, it, I hate that we lost the the Ferguson Brown fight. And it cut our card short, but to be able to give the Joe this kind of fight to start off the evening uh, was unbelievable. Uh, it was, without a doubt, a liver shot uh, that changed the tides on this fight uh, to Joseph Long. Uh, I think I talked to him later in the evening while he was cornering somebody else, and uh, he had no problems admitting that uh, when he took that liver shot in the, uh, I believe, I guess the second round, it changed the whole outcome of the fight. And as soon as Rodriguez smelled blood and saw that, he just continued to go to the body because uh, he knew that that's where Joe was hurting. And, uh, again, hats off to Jose Rodriguez. Looked really crisp out there and looked good. Uh, he capitalized uh, when he saw an opening, and that was a huge win for him. Uh, good thing is, again, doesn't necessarily affect the momentum Joseph Long has uh, going in his MMA career, you know, the, these guys usually take these MMA, MMA fighters that take these fights. They're doing it just to sharpen up their skills at one aspect. Uh, so, you know, Joe Splong still kept his head high that he gave the Joe a hell of a crowd like he always, or a hell of a show like he always does. So, uh, hell of a way to start off the card, guys. All righty. All right, moving on to the second fight. We had the Blue Angel 
you know, the entertainer guy, Drew Zornohus versus the uh, new, the, the ultimate hammer. Is that right? The uh, Darren Hayes. The, the, changes, the hammer of justice now. The hammer of that's justice. That's right. The, not, the hammer of justice changes name to the hammer of justice. And, uh, uh, he won, uh, he won via TKO victory on the ground there at 241. Mark, you want to walk us through that one? Yeah. Um, Zorno Husk was, was, he looks as game as game can get, man. He's a, uh, Super put together. He's, he comes from the NASCAR world where he was a rear tire changer, I guess. And uh, this fight, my, my main memory of it is it had probably some of the ugliest jiu-jitsu I've ever seen in my entire life. And it, it just seemed like they'd get stalled out and a couple of questionable takedowns with backs turned and stuff like that. But uh, other than that, Zorna was definitely uh, the victim here and uh, doesn't get out of there. They stop it due to strikes. And congratulations to Darren Hastings for uh, – Finally getting the getting the right position on him and, and or did he choke him out? He might have choked him out, didn't he? No, yeah, he got stopped via you know, on he was on via ground strikes. Alright, yeah. But Zornos was adamant after the fight that he could have been in there for another ten days like that, like he could have been a survivor for all that. I'm like, Yeah, it's an amateur anyway. They're not gonna let you do that though. So if you want to turn pro, we can let you get your head beat in for as long <laughs> as you want, man. But <laughs> so that's fine. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, moving on to the next fight, we had uh, Anthony Bright versus Anthony Rodriguez, and I'll take that. And uh, I've actually trained with Anthony a little bit, and uh, it's actually a surprising win. Uh, not, not I'm sorry, not win, but the way the fight was finished with Anthony Bright taking a guillotine to the ground and finishing him in the very first round with like almost one second left, and Anthony uh, Anthony Rodriguez just had to tap there with a, just one second left, and uh, we all had Anthony on the Anthony Bright on the uh, pick, so. Uh, we're going to move on to the next one, and that was, was that Robert Hall versus Josh Miller. And, uh, there, Jeff, you want to you take this one right here? Uh, yeah, man. Um, you know, it, it, this was one of those, uh, I think, you know, after losing the Ferguson-Brown fight to start it, this was uh, another fight that uh, right up until his music hit, we weren't real sure if this fight was going to go off. So, um I don't know. The crowd was, you know, none the wiser at any point, but, uh, uh, Josh Miller's fans and the fans of the Joe probably had no clue how close this fight was to not happen. And apparently Robert Hall, uh, we had a, we had a bug or something going around the Joe, uh, last Friday night. Cause all of a sudden, uh, some of these greener guys were, were getting sick right before, uh, their fights were, were up. And so, uh, uh, after Ferguson uh, caught the bug, I, I guess he accidentally passed it on to Robert Hall. But uh, hats off to Robert Hall. He didn't use it as an excuse to get out of there. He went ahead, and once he, he got his stomach right and, and and felt well enough to get in the cage, he let everybody know he was ready to go. Um, unfortunately, uh, that uh, determination didn't didn't transfer into the cage. Uh, Josh Miller at four and zero was able to make you know quick and easy work uh, of Robert Hall. Um, so uh, you know again we're sitting here at uh, what what now five and zero for Josh Miller. Um, I don't know. I, you know this was a catchweight bout. You guys tell me. It, is Miller more on the lighter side of that 165 catch weight, or is he usually heavier than that? I'm wanting to say he's usually a 55, right? Yeah, I think he wants to. I think he's wanting to get down to 55 and stay around that area. But uh, right, he can move so with that kind of record. Pretty, yeah, pretty good. He fluctuates weight like that pretty good. 
Well, I got to think at five and zero at that weight class, uh, it, it shouldn't be long before he might be able to uh, to talk Valor into uh, you know one fifty five amateur title fight uh, at the Joe oh, here yeah. here soon. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, moving on to the uh, <clears throat> to the next fight, we had Nick Nick the Ninja Wiggly and Dustin Morrison, and I'll take this in right here. Uh, Nick Wiggly won via armbar in the second round at two minutes and 40 seconds with a little slick armbar submission. Congratulations and hats off to Nick Wiggly coming back from a uh, uh, kickboxing loss uh, last month out in May and uh, regained regained all that victory and all that glory right there in that night. And uh, hats off to Nick Wiggly for that submission armbar. And uh, we're going to move on to the next one. Uh, we had... This Parker Wadman and Alan Miller. This is about the time that I had to I had to take off and scoot, and they pulled me out because I had to I had to go get wrapped up. So I'm gonna let you guys take a good bit of these because I didn't get to see nothing from here. Um, I'm sorry, we're missing a uh, Colton Dunn spot in here too, aren't we? Uh, it's after this one. Oh, it's after this one. Okay, I'm sorry. All right, so yeah, uh, yeah well, uh, Mark, Mark, walk us through the uh, Wadman and Miller fight here. I don't know how much walking I can do through it. I, I, I remember the Parker Wadman won, and he looked pretty impressive doing it. He's just really supposed to be a very strong kid. Taekwondo background, but Jiu-Jitsu looked pretty on point, too, and strong wrestling. Um, I can't remember exactly how it ended, though, but it was, it was, it was pretty one This was a unanimous decision. It uh, it went the distance. This kid yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It went the distance. Yeah, it's like, yeah. a little, little scrap there with these two guys. It all runs together for me, guys. Parker Wadman ended up getting the unanimous decision, correct? Yes. Yeah, he did. Wadman got the unanimous decision. And I'll tell you, I watched this one a little more just because uh, the Miller kid, you could tell, he was just, you know, he's young. He's definitely uh, a young kid. Uh, you know, Mark's right. It, You know, on the judges' scores for card, it was unanimous. There was no question who won. But uh, Miller definitely showed that, you know, with some more time in the cage and with some age, he's got he's got some potential, man. He could – he could uh, he could be nice here in the future. Yeah, he looked pretty crisp. What I what I did see of him, him and Wobbin both because Wobbin's more of a uh, he's more of a uh, like a, like a like a gritty guy. Like he's going to be in your face the whole time, firing punches. And I kept seeing the you know Miller backing off and firing back with the, trying to defense. You know, play defense off the off the game off of like a taekwondo kind of stance. But uh, in the end, you know, you know Wobbin was too much for him. But uh, no. Now let's move on to the next one. You want to go on and uh, take this one right here? You got Colton Dunn and uh, Akeem McAfee, Mark. Was it because? Uh, or no? Let's give this to Jeff because uh, you know I'm the only one that took Colton Dunn in this fight, and uh, Colton Dunn. No, I was about to know, say, yeah, me and uh, Mark are the ones that took McAfee here. Um, yeah, I took. I, I he uh, Colton took it. Took a good beating in this in here. He uh, and I, yeah. you know, he when it went to the ground, we uh, you know, you know, Colton Dunn got a little exposed for his ground game being. Uh, you know, a little below subpar, but he's uh, he said he's gonna he's gonna go up to Cleveland at American Killer Bees and maybe start working in with them because it's not too far away. But uh, take this one away, Jeff. Tell us about this one. It definitely won't uh, definitely won't hurt his game any. But uh, man, McAfee, like, he, I mean, we knew going in. I guess one of the reasons why I chose him, I don't know about Mark, was just again, I just I was thinking that height, the the range he had with his with his arms. Um, I mean, he's a strong guy. Um, hey, this this about right here. It was a weird finish as far as it probably could have been stopped, you know, a yeah. few seconds before it was, but at the time that it was stopped, maybe wasn't, you know, uh, it, 
I, th- I think our referee definitely stopped the inevitable from happening. It was just at, at the moment it should have been stopped, maybe it wasn't. And at the moment it was, he wasn't as, as in much danger as he had been just, you know, 20 seconds earlier. Um, but nonetheless, uh, you know, the stop probably needed to happen. It was it was probably not going to get any better. Uh, and I can't remember whether it was a left or a right, but, it, I mean, it was a flush well, shot that uh, that dropped Colton Dunn uh, to the mat. And at that point, we kind of knew that, you know, the end was probably near. Um, uh, you know, we all knew Colton Dunn's a tough guy, and he probably could have taken some more punishment, but there's no need in it. Um, I know he definitely walked away with a nice shiner on that one, but uh, uh, McAfee is another one right now who's got a big amateur record uh, at this point. He's 8-3. and three. You know, nowadays, you know, 10-11 amateur fights is, uh, is unheard of. So um, i got to think he's somewhere in the mix. Uh, if he, you know, continues, this was fourth, the first time we've ever had fourth killer fight team from Cleveland, Tennessee, uh, on the card. But uh, you know, if he wants to stick around and continue to to uh, to fight for Valor fights, I, I think he can pretty much call a shot here on whenever he wants to uh, uh, get a big fight or or ask uh, uh, Tim Loy here for for a possible title fight. Uh, there's nothing about his record and his performance uh, that we could argue anything any different. And by the look of the guy, I don't want to be the one to argue anything any different. So, <laughs> yeah, he's put together. All right, well, let's move on down to the uh, to the bantamweight at one thirty five action, where we have Frankie and we had Jackson Donovan in here. Uh, Mark, you want to walk through that one? I was back in the back during these, so I didn't really get to see these yet. Yeah, Frank T, man. Yeah, he he came in. He looked exponentially better in shape than than Jackson Donovan did. That's the first thing that jumped out at me, and I thought we we might be in for something kind of special. Um, I wasn't really taking into account last time when we were going through the picks that Frank T was fighting Ray Hewitt last time, and it was it's a big step up from Frank T. You know, um, Jackson Donovan trained his whole life. He's a young kid, eighteen years old, just turned just debuted. He's got that jiu-jitsu, and this is the question we had about Frank T. Was you know the, the UFC gym in Murfreesboro really have a jiu-jitsu thing, and if so, is Frank part of that at all? So we got some questions answered. Um, I think he's been to some jiu-jitsu classes, but a lifetime jiu-jitsu practitioner like Jackson Donovan he just he kind of took over on him, and uh, Frank was still trying to counter the punches, but but he ended up getting stopped, I believe, wasn't it? Yeah, it was uh, yeah. it was uh, our, definitely our oddest submission of the night. It was a triangle. He actually yes. had his leg in on the triangle as well at about a minute yeah. forty five of the first round. So um, yeah. definitely definitely sub of the night, which is why he got a performance of the night uh, award at the end of the night was for that submission. Absolutely, but you know, having both of them back. It'll be they're good kids, man. Both of them. No, definitely. Moving on, we had a pretty exciting bout after that at uh, another 135-pound. We had uh, Caleb Austin and Amun Cosme, both guys uh, hungry for some gold. And, uh, Jeff, walk us through it. Man, awesome fight. Awesome fight. I, I, I know I picked this one as a possible fight of the night. Um, and they, they fucking delivered, man. This was a great fight. Uh, it's everything, just like I said in the cage, it's everything you could have asked for in an amateur title fight. Just It had drama. Uh, you go into the third round, one round apiece. There was no doubt. I didn't need to see the judges' scorecards to know that Moon Cosme won round one, Caleb Austin won round two. 
Um, so you, you don't get – the drama doesn't get any thicker than that going into a third round, uh, especially with the open scoring that we do now on amateur fights. Both those fighters knew exactly where they stood uh, when that cage door shut in the third round. So, um, you know, I, I honestly, in my humble opinion, I wouldn't have been upset had it gone either way. I, I wouldn't have been like it was a travesty had it gone either way. Caleb Austin had his moments in the third round. Um, in, in my opinion, I think Moon Cosme won it with that with that uh, head kick. Uh, so, you know, I kind of feel like it was the most damaging shot in the third round, and that's what probably won it in the, in the judges' eyes. Um, but I wouldn't have been upset had it gone, you know, either way. Uh, Austin definitely showed some slick takedowns. His, his shots um, were, were pretty nasty. Um, so I, you know, I hope this is a kid that comes back, um, and fights for valor again, but what the hell of a fight, uh, Moon Cosme, you know, uh, he says he's going to defend his belt. You know, I don't know how much uh, more he can accomplish as an amateur before he might want to start getting paid at it. Uh, who knows? But there are a lot of there are a lot of good fights out there for Amun Cosme. De- depending, you know, regardless uh, of which way he decides to go, you know, remain amateur or professional. Yeah, definitely. I think he's ready for either or. And, you know, I mean, I'm, I don't know how much time he's going to waste out there taking all these amateur fights when he could be making money. Uh, he's he is very put together and. Uh, so is Caleb Austin. Caleb Austin walked up to me before uh, the day before and said, "I think that uh, you know a lot of you guys out there are going to be surprised when this fight comes around." And I just said, "I don't think anybody's going to be surprised. We know this is going to be a damn dog fight here. We know it's going to be a good one." So, you know, I think he might have little, been a little pissed off that nobody picked him, but I just wanted him to know that hey, we we understand the uh, the you know the depth. Well, I think we made it clear on the. Uh... Yeah, I think we made it clear on the pick show, you know, how hard that one was to pick. And and oh, yeah. just because it was a unanimous, you know, uh, pick for Moon Cosme, it wasn't without reservation. Uh, no, I, and, uh, I, I was definitely not surprised uh, that that fight was as, as close as it as it was. And, uh, you know, Austin, he, he was kind of reserved cat. And like you said, you don't know if whether or not he had a chip on his shoulder uh, coming in. I, I know at one point during the day he was not even sure if he had anybody that was going to be able to make it from Middle Tennessee. So, you know, maybe that was weighing on his mind a little bit too. But uh, yeah. you know, he, was all, he was all business when he got in there. And I, I was definitely impressed. I, I, I oh, hope yeah. we see him again. I hope we see him again. That is pretty demeaning, you know, when you work so hard for something. And, I mean, hell, you're going for gold right here. This is a big, big deal in your life. And you got a lot of people, you know, out there telling you, hey, I'm, I'll be there. I'll be there sports. I'll be there. And when nobody shows up, man, that's demeaning, man. That sets you back a couple of paces. You're like, well, that's really. Well, I mean, let, you know, let's, I, let's make let's make it clear. His his corner did, and they got there. You know, they got there. I just think it was. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, because of yeah, the yeah. time it was getting. Uh, you know, they did end up showing up, and and they got there, right. and he had his people there. And I was honestly, I was surprised too. He must have sold quite a few tickets because he had a little. He had a crowd there. He had a little yeah. section. Yeah, there was some so hats off to. Sure. Yeah, hats off to him for the for the amount of people he came in there. Hopefully, we're oh, going to yeah, be able to announce soon that. You know that we we have you know Caleb Austin on another card. Yeah, but what I was referring to is like the stress level of not knowing the what if and who who's who's going to be there for me whenever you work so hard with everybody and then you're just just that stress level. You know, I mean, it's just a oh absolutely that you don't need. Before it's the last time, thing you, know? you probably want to be thinking. Yeah, it's the last yeah. thing you want to be thinking about. Yeah, yeah, and then at the end of the day, cause... go ahead. Yeah, what? Well, yeah, go ahead, Mark. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, at the end of the day, you did have you know and. 
a former Valor, I want to say, champion in, in Keegan Agnew in this corner. He's an animal, too. I think he's had 14 or 15 fights with us. Yeah, he did. He did. He was there. He's. he's uh, I like watching him fight as well. Oh, yeah, hell of a fight that both guys, they actually did get fight out of night, correct? Yes, they did. They both yeah, got they uh, yeah, fight so of the uh, performance of the night for their fight. Yeah, yeah. A hell of a fight there. All right, we're going to move on to our uh, to our pro portion of the card. We had, uh, what is this, our uh, pro grappling match with Dylan D'Angelo versus Keith Olsen. And, uh, you know, Jeff, you want to take off of that one? Man, uh, none of us saw that one coming. Um at all we were all completely wrong on that uh i think greg and i had uh olsen uh finishing before the uh the 10 minute time limit and uh mark had neither one of them winning that nobody was going to tap the other one it was going to a draw and we both uh screwed the pooch on that one man uh this for me this may this it's not as a big a surprise as the the joseph long outcome uh, earlier in the card, but this was right up there with surprising, you know, for me. Um, just because I just know Keith is so technical and skilled, but I'll be damned, Dylan D'Angelo, he just, he goes for shit, man, and he's he's strong as hell, and uh, and he doesn't sit back and play defensive jiu-jitsu. I mean, he's, he's definitely all offense, and he's going for shit. Uh, you know, hats off to him. I'd, I'd Hell, at this weight, I don't know. This is probably too heavy. Um, yeah, that's big. One seventy. I'd love to. Yeah, yeah. Um, but hell, in jujitsu, these guys will grapple anybody. I'd love to see Dylan D'Angelo and Brian Tidwell from uh, Nashville MMA yeah, uh, grapple a little bit. That would be sick because Brian's—he's more on the smaller side. He'll do the one fifty, one fifty-five, but he's another one that just goes for shit. He doesn't give a damn. Uh, that would be sick. All right, well, we're going to move on to our uh, our Bantamweight 135-pound uh, fight professionally with Jeremy Rogers and James Adcock. Mark, you want to take off of this? Yeah, how good is James Adcock look, man? Uh, I thought he started out a little slow. He, he, uh, they were both kind of swinging wildly on the feet for a while, and uh, Jeremy Rogers actually hit him a couple of times. And um I think when they went to the ground, he caught an elbow in the rib cage that would just cost him to instantly. He was done. I mean, he screamed out loud. Um, I don't know if they called it a verbal tappage or if it was a uh, another stoppage, but it was definitely ugly. That was definitely his chief complaint after the fight as well. Um, but then he hops right up. Uh, <laughs> I was in there looking at him trying to think, see if his ribs were broken. And all of a sudden, he finally got his wind back to him, and he hopped up while you're jacking the box. I was like, you bastard. But no, great show for James Adcock. You know, he needed to get that to stay ahead of 500 and uh, and keep kicking on, man. Uh, I thought it was a rather impressive fight for Adcock, really. So, you know, uh, let's see. He ended up to 0-8 for Rodgers, and I think Adcock got into 4-3, and right? Uh yeah, four and three. Adcock goes to four and three. Uh, well, congratulations to Jay Adcock on his win over Jimmy Rogers. Moving on to about thirteen of the night, you had Mister Sick Nasty Nick Jewel and uh, myself, Greg Hopkins at catchweight one seventy five. Uh, Jeff, you want to take this one? Well, yes, I'd be happy to, Greg Hopkins. Um, I need to see it. <laughs> well, I don't want to talk I about mean, the whole fight. I mean, uh, it was. 
we we don't have to worry about either one of these guys running a marathon. Uh, their gas tanks were pretty suspect. Uh, I don't know. Here's the only thing I took away from him. Greg Hopkins cannot take an alcoholic beverage into the cage. I hope he understands this. Uh, it is against state regulations to take any alcoholic beverages into the cage. Um, so I hope that's one thing he learned from this fight uh, is James Stanley does not play around because uh, that commission came over to the other side of that cage quicker than I'd seen a move all night to make sure that that cup of beer didn't end up in the cage. But, uh, you know, in all honesty, like that, uh, Greg, how long has it been since you, since you were in the cage? Before before this night, what was your layoff? In like thirteen months. No, well, no, thirteen no, no. months. About eleven months. Eleven months. I'm sorry. Okay, okay. Look, eleven months off, thirteen months, whatever it was. You know, it, it's a long layoff in this sport. Um, you know it. You know, ring rust. Uh, you can argue back and forth on whether it's a real thing, whether it's not. But when you've been out of the cage for that long. There's definitely nerves. There might not be ring rust, but there's nerves. There's anxiety. You know, you haven't made that walk in a while. You haven't had that door locked behind you in, in a while. So, um, you know, hats off to Greg for being able to get in there, shake off the ring rust or the nerves. Uh, it's always so important to get your first pro win. No one wants to start out 0-1, so that's a lot of, you know, stress. Uh, especially when you sold a lot of damn tickets and you got a lot of people that made the drive. You don't want to send everybody home upset. But, um, you know, uh, Nick Jewell is not a slouch, okay? I mean, there's a lot of fights that uh, that Greg could have picked uh, that may have been safer for, for a pro debut. Nick Jewell is not a safe fight, you know. I don't like to refer to things as easy fights, but there's definitely safe fights. Uh, and Nick Jewell is not a safe fight, so... Um, if you're going to go ahead and dip your toe uh, as a professional fighter, Greg Hopkins said, fuck it, uh, you know, I'm going to go for a fight that could be dangerous for me. Uh, so hats off to Greg for getting his first professional win. Hopefully we don't have to wait another 11 months uh, to see him fight again. Um, I don't know. It's probably something that uh, Greg can answer better than that. Is he ready to go back behind the table and put on the cushy headphones? Or is he going to, uh, you know, stay in shape? Uh, and, and head back in sooner rather than later. I'll answer that for you. I'm probably going to uh, take this next month and uh, sit behind the table and watch watch again. But uh, looking for maybe jumping back in there in August, uh, August or or September, one of the two months, right before football season gets it's kicking off. But uh, yeah, I'd, uh, I'd, uh, I apologize for that with the whole beer thing and. Uh, and uh, I want to also say thank you to uh, to the staff of, uh, of Valor and uh, some of the actual officials came over to me and actually took the beer out of my hand after I got out of the cage because people were waiting to celebrate afterwards and they actually took the beers out of my hand before I could get a sip and I, you know, I was okay. kind of like, what the what the hell was that for? And uh, and and the the guy the the state guy said he goes literally he goes you don't know what's in that beer you don't know he goes I don't want you to test positive for any drugs and I wouldn't want to hurt your purse just because somebody's being a dumbass he goes that's legit legit reason I'm taking this from you so I immediately went from being pissed off to I appreciate that man you know I didn't think about it like that because I don't I don't know you know I don't know what's in this drink and I'm about to drink it thank you very much so uh, with that being said moving on. To the main event of the night, we're going to let Mark take this with Deshaun Middleton and uh, Arthur Walcott. I want to uh, I want to hear what Mark. That was, that was a pretty uh, that was a pretty exciting fight. That was a lot louder than I thought it was going to be, too. As far as uh, um, you know, he uh, Arthur brought a crowd with them, and they all seemed to 
migrate right to the cage as soon as it started, and it got loud, loud. Uh, not, I mean, uh, walk us through that one, Mark. Well, yeah, Arthur had a, a whole squad of fools there, man, and it seemed like they they were kind of, at first, they were kind of on all four corners of the body, and then as it started getting closer to the end, they started migrating over and closer towards the walk-in area, and then just kind of congregated over there. Um, I didn't take anything away from Deshaun Middleton. Um, for those who don't know, we had a, we had a tough little cut the other day before. Um, I think I was probably the only one that lost more than Deshaun did, <laughs> but uh he, he came in, I think it was about eight and a half, nine over when he got there. And uh, so, not to take anything away from his performance, but Arthur looks like a superhero. And uh, and his wrestling ran supreme. That's the first finish that Arthur has with the Bauer logo. Um, I know back when he used to work for us before, he he was known for a very top heavy, you know, positional, almost wet blankety kind of uh, oppression that he would throw on you. Just good luck getting that guy off the top of you with he lands there. I mean, it's it's a nightmare. But um, this time he, he he got the finish and got him out of there. And, um, you know, Arthur looked great. I hope he stayed, sticks with it and wants to come back and fight again for us. I think he had a little bit of momentum behind him. I think that's going to be huge. Um, sort of that. I mean, it's a great fight. I'm trying to think of how that ended. I don't know why I can't remember the any of any of these. But uh, it was a uh, hidden arm, hidden arm choke. Yes, that's exactly what it was. And um, at first, he, it seemed like he could squeeze it in there faster, and then he kind of broke out of it, and then he got the angle on it and put his hips down, and, and finally he got the lock on. So, yeah, congratulations on the season. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, hey, Jeff, I was biggest winner of the night, biggest loser of the night. What's, what you got? Uh, biggest loser of the night. Uh, I'm going to say Franklin Brown was the biggest loser for the night for having people there. Uh, it was supposed to be the opening uh, fight on the card, and he did not get to perform at all. That sucks. Um, hate it for him. But uh, I'm going to say Franklin Brown is the biggest loser of the night for not being able to perform. Biggest winner of the night. Uh, let's see. I'm going to have to go with... I'm going to go with uh, Amun Cosme uh, just because, uh, one, it was a title fight. He got some gold, uh, but he got it off uh, of, of a fight that actually made him a better fighter. You know, uh, that win made him a better fighter. He was challenged. He fought adversity. Um, and uh, that's one of those fights that uh, he, he, he learned from and gained from, not just a W, you know, in, on his record and in the win column. But uh, that was the type of fight that, whether he goes pro or not, that pushes you to the next level. All righty. Mark, biggest winner, biggest loser tonight? Definitely uh, Franklin Brown. I mean, the guy told some tickets. He was there to, to do damage, and he was well set in going forward with that and getting that done. I felt very confident that he was going to be in there for a short amount of time and get the, get the win. But... Yeah, it's hard to hard to argue against the Moon Cosme. It's um, even if he turns pro, that's the motivation and the momentum he needs to carry forward into this pro career and, and taking this as serious as he does. And it, for those of you who don't know, Moon Cosme, I'll be an amateur. He's probably one of the most uh, professional uh, fighters I've ever seen. He um, he takes it all serious, you know, from his diet to his, his training. Everything is is very very planned out and very specific. So I wish him nothing but the best. Whether he stays amateur or goes pro, but yeah, he's definitely the winner of the night. I have to agree with the with the statement that he he treats everyone 
uh, with respect. He treats everyone like, I mean, yeah, Moon Cosme is one of those just genuinely good human beings who uh, it treats everyone around him well. Uh, so I, I'll have to second that. All right. Well, my uh, my big lose for the night also is Brown, man. I just understand what it's like to actually train, 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 and then when it comes time for you to fight, something happens and it slips through the cracks, and guess what? You're standing there with the, you know, you know, with a hand to hold but nothing to play. And it, you know, a lot of times it'll bring tears to your eyes to that for that person or to that. I mean, it just it's, it's messed up. So I mean, you sell tickets, you you train, you get a date, and uh, and you, you don't get you don't get the spot. So uh, you know, hats off to him. And uh, biggest winner of the night, man. Uh, I got to go with uh, with Jose Rodriguez after getting knocked down in the first round, and uh, in what seemed to be a one sided you know one sided fight there at the end of the first round with Rambo. And then uh, after that, he come out and started hitting them liver shots on Joe Long, and you know Jose just just started hammering on them damn uh, them liver shots. I'm talking eight or nine of them back to back, and you know Joseph kept getting up, kept getting up. So I mean, you want to talk about a, a candidate for fight of the night? That was right up there with them in Causeway fight. So uh, hats off to uh, Rodriguez in that fight, and I uh, also have to second on Anthony Bryant because Anthony Bryant was really worried about this fight going to the ground. Because he had been touching up on his jiu-jitsu now for for months, he's been trying to get to work that ground game, and uh, he's never he's never won a fight in MMA. But he did. He got his first his first fight via uh, via guillotine choke. So uh, you know Rodriguez and uh, Bryant, those are my big victors for the night. And uh, as far as that goes, uh, that's our recap for the Valor Fighting Challenge 60. And uh, if any of you guys don't have nothing to say, that'll be it for the for this segment. And uh, we can let Jeff Hobbs. Uh, Take rocks for the night and have a good one. That's right. See you guys, man. See you on the next one. Nah, see you, brother. All right, moving on from that, we're going to jump right into our recap of uh, UFC 238. And let me pull up my my little my little list here for us to run over. And uh, we're going to uh, do a quick recap here, so we're not we're not busting on time because we got a lot more to cover. So, uh, you know, Mark Mark Laws, you got anything you want to touch base on this? Uh, this uh, this fight from last weekend, this whole this whole card. Yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was a good card. It's probably the best UFC card I've seen in a minute. Um, you know, the top of the card being a little bit better than the bottom, but um, of course, with I work for a Cowboy Fighting Series, and uh, you know, I'm very blessed to have that. And so I'm, I'm a gigantic Cowboy Serrano fan, just like most people are, of course. But he's got a special place in my heart, and it, it was painful to watch that the other night because. Uh, if you don't know, he was stopped by Dr. Stoppage at the end or at the beginning of the third round after Tony Ferguson had landed an illegal punch after the end of the round two. So um Cowboy blows his nose, eyes swell shut instantly, and Doctor has to stop it. Now I'm of the the ilk that that's an illegal strike. That illegal strike is directly to the nose that caused the eyes as well. If you do that with a groin shot and you can't continue, that fight goes to the cards and Ferguson loses that fight. I don't know how that's not – I guess it's just the verbiage that the referee uses at the end of the second round, whether he takes a point or warns the fighter, whether it makes it an illegal shot or just a warnable offense. But either way, I feel like they should run this back. Uh, Cowboy was was upset about it, and but, you know, real forthcoming and, and letting it end that way and – it just sucks, man. It's not how you want to see any of those fights end, and it's it. I don't know. I kind of got a sour taste in my mouth about it, but 
Yeah, I, I, yeah, it's, it's that that was that late hit right there after with the nerves going and everything going on at the same time. Uh, I, you know, I in the beginning at first, you know, I didn't agree with uh, with everybody, you know, flipping out over the uh, the late hit because I was like, it wasn't that bad. But after watching replays, I was like, oh, okay, that was a little bit, you know, blatantly flagrant. You know, I mean, he it was clearly after the bell and. Uh, you know, I don't know if a point should have been inducted right there or not, and I hate I hate the way it ended uh, for you know for Cowboy, but uh, I, you know I, you know during throughout that duration of the fight when the elbow started flying though you know you know Cowboy was getting pieced up, but it was a phenomenal fight up until the point, and I hate I really hate that it had to end like that because that was a climax, like theatrical, horrible ending for everybody. You know, Ferguson even said himself, this is the way I wanted to end. Everybody was moving. He said, get your booze out. Go ahead let me have it. I know I deserve this, and I'm really, you know, you know, I don't know if he ever said he was sorry, but he did say that he felt remorse for the way it happened, you know. And uh, as I, every, everybody was upset about it, you know, Cowboy, everybody was mad. You know, I love Cowboy. Everybody loves Cowboy. Who doesn't love Cowboy? So, uh, but moving on, uh, is Justin back on here with us? We got you on here, Justin? Yeah, I'm still here. All right, man. Did anything stick out to you there in the prelims at all? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, um, you know, we talked about it last week, but the fact that we had uh, Caitlin Chikagian and Joanna Calderwood, you know, two two top five um, 125ers, uh, you know, jerking the curtain, starting the night off, you know, when uh, when that title was up, up for grabs later on in the night was kind of wild, um, and, and it was a great fight. You know, uh, Chikagian came out. And and definitely performed um, and took the decision, but um, who knows? I mean, I guess they're they're kind of talking about her being uh, next in line. So, uh, not, another thing that makes it interesting about about them starting the card out uh, with her, um, you know, so early. Um, what do you think about Tatiana Suarez? Oh, hey, I enjoyed the hell out of watching some wrestling there. Uh... Uh, I, she, but you know, she kind of faded there in the third round. You know, she started to slow down a little bit, and I don't think her. I mean, regardless, she she had won the fight up until that point, in my opinion. But uh, up until that uh, that third round, she started to get faded a little bit, and Nina, Nina started to tee off there. I'm a, you know, it's, eight, you know, she's still undefeated, and uh, you know, Nina's no sour, you know, she ain't no little cream puff. So I mean, like, you know, I don't know where Tina goes from here, but uh, I enjoyed watching her here. Yeah, what do you think it was- about it? It was a good fight. Um, like you said, I mean, Suarez kind of handled it the first two rounds, but uh, I definitely was worried in the third round when she started to gas out and, you know, Nina was coming on pretty strong. Um, but she's still got a little ways to go. You know, she's uh, – I don't think that she's ready to be, you know, fighting um, Andrade tomorrow or, or anything like that. But Oh, no. Uh, no, not 25 minutes. No, I'm not ready nah, for that yet. No, the – wouldn't wouldn't go good. I mean, and and that's what that fight would be. You know, two grindy wrestlers. It would it'd go to a decision most likely. Um, my my boy Aljamain Sterling did work. Uh, got the decision win over Munoz, and yeah, a couple of people hit me up before the fight. You know, asking what was my lock of the night. You know, where could they definitely get some money at? And I was a thousand percent on Ricardo Lamas as an underdog. I didn't understand how he was an underdog to Cater. Cater's last fight wasn't that impressive. It, it was to a subpar opponent. Um, Ricardo Lamas, you know, is a 
perennial contender. And man, Cater knocked him out four minutes and six seconds in the first round and uh, made me look bad on that one. I think he made a lot of people look bad on that one because I thought I thought he was going to come out firing. And, I, you know, I thought it was going to at least be a grind out to the third round. And I thought he would win, you know, split decision at the end is what I thought he was going to happen. But I tell you, Angela Hill uh, fought really good. Uh, I think she fought way above her head uh, against Yon the other night. I thought she fought really well. Uh, did you get to catch that one? No, I actually missed that fight. Um, I'm not she, she, not a huge fan of, of hers. Uh, but I, I, for her to, I, yeah, I was I surprised her. that she went to a decision. Yeah, I faded I, I, I faded Angela Hill in that fight, and a lot of a lot of the fight ended up going to the ground where uh, she kind of exposed Jan's uh, Jan's ground game, not, not to be you know you know horrible, but it's not uh, it's not at the level of a uh, you know top world prospect in the UFC, but. Uh, uh, another one that we have, let's see here, Eddie Wineland right there with a big old surprise knockout in the second round uh, with a right cross to Popov. Yeah, how long had Eddie Wineland been off, do you know? I, I have no idea. I just know that, uh, you know, some of our friends in the, in the DraftKings uh, draft group was just sitting there telling us how Wineland was going to end up knocking, uh, knocking him out. And uh, I disagreed with him a lot on there, so I actually had to pick a – Oh, pop in my in my DK lineup, and he ended up not scoring but six points. So, uh, congratulations, to Eddie Wineland. I can tell you right now when the last time he fought was. It was it July was, uh, of 2018. Yeah, so he, he, yeah, but it, since since 2014, he's fought like once a year. But back in you know 2012, 2013, 2014, he was you know, yeah, he fought. He uh, actually fought uh, Baral for for the interim title at one point. Um, you know, and then he he went on some had some losses and just kind of back and forth. But you just have, don't hear his name that often. It was it was interesting to hear him that early in the card too. But it was a good win for him for sure. Yeah, he's had plenty of fights in the UFC. So to hear him, you know, hear his name on there is kind of like our little fight with VFC uh, with Joseph being our Valor champion and uh, fighting second on the card. Well, actually, he was yeah first on the card this weekend. Yeah. It was pretty wild. Uh, uh, anything stand out to you in the uh, in the prelims at all? Oh, that was about it for me in the prelims. Well, like we'll we'll go back to what Mark was talking about Tony Ferguson, and you were talking about your lock for the night. My actual lock for the night was Tony Ferguson, and it being a lock for the night is just because Donald Cerrone is a you know a very very big one fifty five pounder, and I think when he makes that cut, I think that his movements are a little a little bit slower than uh, than the top world prospects of uh, Tony Ferguson and. Uh, Tony Ferguson also is a very, very big 155, but he's a lot more – I think his frame's a lot more smaller than Donald Cerrone is. So that was my lot for the night was uh, Ferguson over Cerrone. And, uh, again, I hate how that ended. But uh, I'll go ahead and tell you who uh, – you know, Jimmy Rivera fought really well against Peter Yan that night. Re- really well. Fought really well against uh, Peter Yan. And he was only 6,900 on DraftKings and uh, wish he would have, you know, got a little bit more. But he did – I mean, you can't really argue that you're fighting one of the world's top prospects. And, uh, you know, Jim Rivera has fought some of the best guys in the UFC. Uh, any more of those fights stick out to you, Justin? Uh, yeah, that was that was a fun fight. Uh, definitely a good test for Peter Yawn. Um, you know, puts him him and Algermain right up there at the top. It's kind of wild. Uh, you know, another one is Algermain was on the um, undercard, and he's got a recent win over Jim Rivera. I think he's ranked one or two spots above Peter Yan, and those guys, 
you know, are on the bill ahead of him. It's kind of odd, but um, I think that a possible fight you might see not too far in the future is Peter Yan and um, Sterling. Yeah, and Aldermain. Um, you know, it's probably going to be a little bit tied up here for a little while. Cejudo's, you know, might be hurt. Plus, he has another division to to go back and defend as well. So, uh, both those guys. I think uh, Aldermain. I think is third, and I think Peter Yan is fourth. Um, and so, or maybe second and third. They're right up there. Um, yeah, both of them. Yeah, so well, you might see you them. Right. Might see them fight. That tells you right there just how like really spoiled we were this weekend on this UFC card. It was ridiculous the lineup. Because I, I'll be honest, I watched it from top to bottom, and uh, I, I, you know, it's it's not hard for me to actually sit down and watch a whole UFC card if it's this damn good. Because I mean, then following everything that we've already seen up to uh, Valentina Shevchenko's. Uh, head kick in the second round, just kept attacking the ribs, attacking the ribs, attacking the ribs, and then right there at the end, boom, right to the head, just like uh, Manawa the week before. Jessica I goes out. Man, it was Man. nasty. It was it was a nasty <laughs> kick. Um, just to get back on the the Cerrone fight real quick, I didn't really touch base on that, but you know the first round, <clears throat> I thought Cerrone looked great. I think he won the first round. Um, but Tony's just a machine. He just doesn't stop, and his elbows are vicious. They just they tear you tear you up, and um, you know he he hits hard. I, it it doesn't look like he's hitting that hard, but he has to. If you look at his past opponents, I mean they're all you know two totally different people before and after the fight, just like Cerrone was. Um, as far as the the stoppage, it was kind of odd. Um, the the explanation of it was kind of odd, you know. They were kind of going back and forth on what to do, based on where the punch landed uh, that that Ferguson threw, and he hit him in the nose. But they were saying that if he would have hit him in the eye, that it, you know, that could have maybe been a disqualification or something. Um, but hitting him in the nose, you know, furthered the damage of the nose, causing him to blow, which caused that to to blow up. Um, so I don't know. It's weird. I, I would have liked to have. Like to have seen him just go to a decision right there. Then we would have had a draw. I think Cowboy would have won the first round. Uh, Ferguson would have won the second, and then we would have a rematch, and that would work out perfect for the division. Um, you know, with with uh, Khabib and um, Khabib having Poirier coming up, and and then McGregor waiting in the wings. So, um, but it, that fight delivered for sure. I knew it would, and uh, I wish it would have been been more. But hopefully, maybe we'll get a a fight night. Uh, main event out of those two five rounder would be uh would be great. Yeah, it would be great. I and yeah, I, I really do hate the way that ended too. And uh, I can I actually like the way you put it better. You know, just stop it there, and you know, first round goes to Donald, second round went to Tony. But you know what? I mean, if you're going to stop it right there, would then would you not want to? Since you had to stop it, would you not want to? I mean, if they had to stop it there, you'd have to take a point away from Tony Ferguson right there, right? That's. I mean, that's kind of what I keep going over in my head. It's a weird. It's a weird situation. And I don't know exactly from a refing standpoint what you know what your options are. I don't even know if you if you can take it to a decision there. But I know that. I mean, if it's more than halfway through the second round and there's an injury, I mean, it used to be a thing that that they would go to a decision there. I it seems like it hasn't been done in a while. Um, but I'm with you. I mean, I, I think that you could definitely take a point away from him you could also I mean it was it was it was real close I mean you're in, a, in the heat of the moment yeah I mean, yeah 
you know, and, and ultimately, it's the referee's job to keep you from getting hit after the bell. It's you're supposed to keep fighting until the referee touches you. You know, you, you don't necessarily, you're not always going to hear that bell, and that's kind of what the referee's job is. Um, so, you know, yeah. keep that in mind, Chris Bond. You know, the the fighter might not always hear when when the bell goes off, and so the referee's job was to get out, get in there, and separate him, and he didn't do that. Um, so, you know, I, I could see not taking a point and just sending it to decision, but I, you know, again, yeah. I don't even know if that's a, if that's a thing. I, I don't even know either, but yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly, completely 100%. I'd like to see that one be ran back. Uh, but, uh, it, yeah, sucks. Man, uh, it sucks for it Tony does. because, you know, now he's on a 12 fight win streak and probably gonna have to, you know, redo this match and, you know, from his manager's perspective, especially, like, there's no way you want to take that fight. Like, you've won 12 fights in a row. You've cemented yourself as the number one contender. Just sit back and, and wait, you know, for this fight because another fight with Cerrone, that's not a guaranteed win. And, you know, no. you beat him this time, but he might head kick you in the first round next time. And then oh, that yeah. 12 wins, you, you know, you're back to the, to the bottom of the line. Oh, yeah, but, you know, Tony Ferguson also, you know, he's coming off injury after injury after injury, and you never know when he's going to hurt himself again because he goes hard all the time. He isn't. He's, yeah, he's, he's a psycho. You know, and, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and that's, uh, I mean, I that's, see, that's what we love about him, but, you know, it's, yeah. it can play against him too. Yeah, maybe we'll see that Cobby fight one day. They'll be fighting again. Now, they've scheduled it four or five times now, but it falls through every time. So, let's just mm-hmm. see what happens before with, with, uh, with Odust and, and Khabib, and we'll, we'll watch what, what arises from that. But, I'm uh, afraid that I'm afraid that he, he, even if I'm afraid the only way that Tony gets a title fight, honestly, right now, is if Poirier beats Khabib, and then because the money's just there for the Conor rematch, whether it's whether it's warranted or not, it, nobody's going to turn that down. So Conor's going to get the next fight with Khabib. Um, whether it's for a title or not doesn't really make a difference as far as selling pay per views. Um, so if oh, yeah. Khabib loses, the, I think they still make Connor and Khabib, and then Ferguson gets to fight Poirier, you know, for the title. But if if Khabib wins, then he's fighting Connor, and you know, then then Ferguson's sitting in the wings again. That's why a rematch, you know, kind of makes sense and helps out everybody, just because you know nobody's sitting around and waiting, um, because it's gonna take a while for this whole thing to play out. You know, once once you get everybody, you know, going again. Yeah, you got to run that circuit. You have a, you know, a Ferguson versus, you know, let's say Poirier does win, Dustin Poirier, so Ferguson versus Poirier for, a, you know, for the title, and then you can have, you know, main event. Of course, you know, Conor McGregor's going to grab until he gets his way. So him and uh, Khabib will be the main event. Uh, I'm sorry, main event for that one with the with the belt under that, and then you can have a uh, a number one contender spot at 155. Now that'd be pretty cool. But yeah, who, uh, I'm I'm trying the, to think of who would be who you would throw in there with, with Tony Ferguson to be a number one contender. I mean, you know, Cerrone would be – I'm not looking at the rankings right now, but I think Cerrone's in the top five. So when you're rounding out the top five, you got four of them right there in, in Khabib, Connor, Ferguson, and, and Cerrone. One name that's been thrown around a little bit is Gaethje for Ferguson uh, yeah. in, the, in the meantime, which I think would be just the perfect fight for Tony Ferguson. I think that, you know, he would – destroy Gaethje because there's the style that Gaethje has um I think that you know it would it would be a highlight reel for Tony Ferguson and, and a pretty easy win but you're still coming off of a you know top you know I'd say Gaethje's top seven I'm, I'm not positive but um he might even be top five 
Yeah, and then again, you said Tony Ferguson, he's coming off of 12, 13 wins. You know, you want to – you also don't want to take a uh, Justin Gagey fight either right now, to be honest, do you? you know, I just don't you get a think – I just don't think Gaethje is, is much of a threat for Ferguson. He is for some people. Uh, I just think Ferguson's not, you know, the he's risk not, with not, Gaethje yeah. is the risk with Gaethje is getting scared, getting run down, and getting a big shot landed on you. And, and Tony's not going to be scared. He's not going to get run <laughs> down. And if you <laughs> land a big shot on him, he's going to land 10 more on you. Yeah, so, he's going to fire right back. Yeah, so, I mean, I just don't think. Um, I think that all around skill wise, I think Tony's hands and hands and feet above Gaethje, um, and Gaethje just what what Gaethje brings to that fight. That's interesting for me is just that he he's gonna come full force, and you know you're gonna see the best Tony, and it's gonna be nasty. I mean, I, th- I think I think uh, he'll piece he'll piece Gaethje up pretty good. I can see that happening too. All right, well, hey, check this out, man. We got like a new face of the UFC, don't we? And a Henry Cejudo, Olympic champion. Now he's a now he's a two-time UFC belt holder. Uh, you want to run us through this one right here on Henry Cejudo? Man, it was uh, it was an awesome performance. You know, first round he came out and didn't didn't do that well. He was he was kind of getting handled on the feet. Um, in the second round, he you know he started making some adjustment adjustments, and uh, in the third round caught Marias and, and took him to went to the ground and, and finished him off there. He kind of took the past path of most resistance. You know, uh, most people would have thought that he would have tried to wrestle Marias and uh, he didn't do that. He, he uh, I don't know if you heard about this or not, but <clears throat> on Wednesday, you know, the, in the, sometimes in the locker rooms, they'll have uh, mats put together uh, just for you to roll on or whatever to warm up. And they have those in the, in the hotels for the fighters, you know, all week for them to train on. And, uh, some of the mats weren't taped together properly, and Cejudo's ankle got twisted up in one, and he rolled his ankle pretty bad, sprained it, and it was blown up. I don't know if you noticed he had uh, <clears throat> ankle wraps on that night, but um, I guess he probably, you know, maybe he couldn't get enough pressure off that off that foot, you know, to take the shot. Um, but he had, he adjusted well, did what he had to do, and and knocked off Marias, and you know, Marias has been one of those guys that you just kind of been waiting for him to get the opportunity. We've known that he was, you know, champion caliber for a long time. And, uh, just been kind of a, it's a, a rat race at, at Bantam weight for a few years, but, um, man, it's, it's crazy to think, <clears throat> you know, Cejudo, uh, at one point, you know, he missed weight. I think it was at maybe 177 UFC 177. He missed weight and then, you know, calls him afterwards and, and says, look, I'm done. This isn't, this isn't for me. Uh, I'm going to hang it up. And they gave him some time. His coach talked him back into, you know, getting back out there and trying some more. And now he's a double champ and, you know, on top of the world. And he, he definitely has lays claim to uh, the greatest combat athlete of all time. And definitely nobody else has ever won an Olympic championship and uh, even one UFC title, but much less two. Um, interesting little fact that uh, just reminded me of Tony Ferguson. We were talking about the win streak that he's on. The last time that Tony Ferguson lost, Obama was getting voted into office for the second time. Henry Cejudo and Kamaru Usman, neither one had made their professional debuts yet. The last time Tony Ferguson lost a fight. What year was that? 2012. I think it was 2012. Yeah, yeah, Henry Cejudo. Actually, actually, I think he had just. Uh, it might have been a, 
four years prior to that, he had just won his maybe just won his first Olympic gold medal. I'm not sure if that was the right yeah. year, if it was a little later than that. But uh, yeah, he won the Olympics in '08. And yeah, also, when Ferguson when Ferguson lost last, uh, women were not in the UFC, and the flyweight division was two months old when Ferguson wow. lost last. So, or maybe it was maybe it's the, actually I think it was the bantamweight division. So one thirty five was two months old. So think about all those things. I mean, it's been a long time since Tony Ferguson's tasted defeat. He just doesn't know what that tastes like anymore, and he's crazy enough to where you know no matter what he's gonna he's gonna keep going, and to me you're gonna have to kill him. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't, you know, I mean, he's he's been well, well deserved of a title shot now. Uh, but uh, hell yeah, man! But those, I mean, I enjoy. We got spoiled on that card. That was a really good card, and uh, I, I know we're not going to see another one like it for a good while. But we're going to have a, we're going to have fun, anyways. And uh, point of direction this weekend, we don't have any UFC action, but we do have a Bellator card on Friday, which we have one of our own, uh, Eric Turner's wife, Taylor Turner, at three and five, going on the fight, Heather Hardy. Uh, in Madison Square Garden, uh, super excited for that fight as well as the. Uh, you got Aaron Pico on the card. You have uh, Roy McDonald and Neiman Gracie. You got Chelsea on it against Lola Machida. Uh, Max Humphrey against Dylan Danis. And uh, I go ahead and tell you guys uh, right now, my lock for the week, I think, or my lock for the night is going to be a Darren Caldwell. Uh, I can't even pronounce this guy's name. Uh, Hiraguchi. I can't. You know his first name, Justin. I think it's. Kuji Horiguchi. Yeah, Horiguchi, yeah. yeah. But Darren, I mean, both guys are good fighters. You know, uh, Gucci's an ex-UFC fighter. He's a, uh, an ex-Rising fighter. He's a, he's a bad dude. But Darren Caldwell is another animal, uh, just like, uh, you know, some of the wrestlers out of, like, you know, the Henry Cejudo era. You know, I'm talking like Darren Caldwell is uh, going to be from bell to bell action. and uh, But is there anything that might stick out on this fight, or I'm sorry, this whole card to you, Justin, this week? Uh, that's definitely the, uh, should be the people's main event. Um, Darian Caldwell, you know, I guess it was probably, I think it was the New Year's card for Ryzen. Um, it was when Floyd Mayweather went over there and fought, but uh, uh, tension, um uh, whatever his last name was, um, Darian Caldwell went over there and fought Horiguchi for his belt at Ryzen, and uh, Darian Caldwell was winning the fight, and Horiguchi caught him in a in a choke. Caldwell pretty much just kind of gave it to him. It was it was a really weird um, way that it played out there, but now they're going to do the rematch in Bellator. Uh, so there's some big differences in that that are, are notable. Um, you know, you said it was your lock of the night, and it is mine too. Uh, one big difference is, you know, now they're going to be on a cage, in a cage instead of um, in a ring. At one point during the Ryzen fight, you know, they're in a, in a boxing ring essentially. So um, Caldwell has top position, and they're kind of up against the ropes. Well, then they have to reset, you know, bring you back to the middle. You still get position back, but... You know, when you when you reset, I don't know. Every, everything's just kind of different. Um, yeah. But now, uh, you know, Caldwell will be back in the cage where he's comfortable. Um, and I think you know, I think Caldwell's a lot bigger. Horiguchi, you know, if you don't, I don't know if you remember, he took uh, Mighty Mouse to a decision, almost to a decision. I think Mighty Mouse finished him with like yeah. one second left to go. Yeah, armbar. Maybe armbar, yeah. Yeah. Like that right there at the end. It was a hell of a fight, though. The whole fight was crazy. It was. It was. And that was, you know, the best fight that Mighty Mouse had uh, up until that point, for sure. But Darian Caldwell's, you know, a bigger a bigger dude. And uh, so I, I think that's going to be the lock of the night. Uh, I always 
fun to keep an eye on Dylan Dennis, you know, in uh, Connor's little pack there, doing doing all his his crazy antics and stuff. I saw a picture of him uh, where he was holding uh, Roy McDonald and some. Uh, he had he had two belts, but he was on stage at Bellator holding two belts, um, like yesterday or something, you know. So he's just playing that stick. Max Humphrey, I don't know anything about the guy, but. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's just just a squash. I think Dylan Dennis is one to know as a professional MMA fighter, and he's you know got credentials for in BJJ, but kind of depends on who you talk to uh, on on how good he actually is there. Um, yeah, Aaron yeah, Pico. <laughs> yeah, Aaron Pico. Um, you know, probably I'm not sure his opponent. I'm not not real familiar with him either. But uh, Aaron Pico needs needs a win coming off of a a nice knockout loss um you know that I, I picked against him on that for sure and uh so hopefully they'll give him somebody this time that you know a little bit closer to his level well um, you, uh, you're talking about uh an adam bork yeah and, uh, out of, yeah out of uh he's fine out of fort lauderdale florida but uh, uh kids kids 12 and 0 uh, oh really yeah so he's got a he's got a good test in front of him i mean uh Guy's got uh, about three three fights in Bellator, and he's uh, he's won them all. He won his, uh, his most recent fight against Jasonaldo uh, Silva. He won rear naked choke in the third round. Uh, Nikolov he fought, beat him with a flying knee in the second round. Uh, Anthony Taylor a rear naked choke first round. So uh, Aaron Pico is going to get tested in this fight. Uh, I'm anxious to see that one, and that one's uh, lined up right before our uh, our hometown Taylor Turner girl is fighting Heather Hardy. Yeah. That, that- uh, that's wild that they're that they're putting him in there with somebody um, of that caliber. Honestly, just because he's coming off of a loss, and now he's you know he's a because of his, his credentials and his background in wrestling, um, and and who he was training with and stuff, he was kind of getting skyrocketed. But I think he's got oh, two yeah. two knockout losses now in Bellator. I think he got knocked out in his his debut also. Um, yeah, so they got to kind of be careful with him. Was. Yeah, they got to be careful with him. You know to to not dwindle out a star. Um, and then big ups to Taylor Turner, man. It's a huge opportunity getting to fight out in Madison Square Garden. Um, the, you know, chance of a lifetime. I know she's uh, taking in every minute of it and uh, enjoying enjoying every second. Uh, oh, yeah. But she's going to have a huge t- test on her hands. Uh, Heather Hardy's, you know, multiple-time world champion boxer. Um, so, you know, Taylor Taylor's been around the game for a long time, and she knows she does what she's doing. I think you know she should have the advantage on the ground. Um, so hopefully she can get in there and, and get some work done and uh, pull off the upset and bring home a win. Oh yeah, I'd absolutely love to see Taylor Turner pull off that upset and defeat Heather Hardy via submission on the ground. That'd be awesome. But uh, uh, for the rest of the card here, we got Rory McDonald and Neiman Gracie, which is. Uh, a pretty little uh, exciting fight. I, I mean, that one. I, I don't. I really don't know who I want to pick. I want to pick Roy McDonald, but if it goes to the ground, I've got to go with the Gracie. Uh, Man, it's tough. Um, you know, Roy's Roy's an animal on the ground too. If, if you remember six, seven years ago, I guess it was. Um, he got mounted in the UFC by Damian Maya, who you know 
Yeah, Damian Myers. You know, yeah, everybody knows who da- you know Damian Myers' credentials, and um, he got mounted by Damian Myers and, and and worked through that, and you know ended up coming out and getting the victory. Uh, it's kind of scary though, you know, after his last fight, he didn't didn't perform that great um, against uh, Fitch, and afterwards he, he kind of said, you know, he just doesn't have the fire in him anymore. He doesn't doesn't feel like going out there and hurting people, um, you know. I don't know if you've ever felt that way before or not, but, you know, at a certain point, yeah. it kind of gets a, you know, it gets like, you know, especially, you know, I don't know how it would be for him. I feel like if I was in his shoes, I would stay hungry, you know, knowing knowing what I was fighting for. But for me, you know, just, just kind of hovering around, you know, average, you know, it just kind of got to like, well, you know, I'm going to go out there and this guy's working his butt off too, you know, and I'm, if I, if I beat him, that sucks for him, you know, <laughs> like, and yeah. then if he beats me, it sucks for me. But, um, so Roy's kind of going through that right now. So, uh, you know, Neiman, Neiman is probably a, a good fight for him at this point, just because Neiman is, um, just not as dangerous, I guess. I, I think that Roy is, is skilled enough on the, I mean, he's, he's a black belt too, you know, um, right. there's definitely different levels of black belts, but, uh, I think Roy knows his way around the floor enough to where you know he, he can stay out of the submissions, um, but I don't know. I, I hope that he doesn't. You know, Neiman Neiman also could be somebody nice to pass the torch on to if if Roy's kind of thinking about hanging it up. So uh, I probably won't be playing any odds on that fight just because just where where Roy's head at is a question for me. You know, if if, if this fight would have been two years ago, that wouldn't be a question for me. Roy would finish the fight probably first second round um yeah and but just where his head that uh you know it's just kind of scary for me yeah like you said it's it just uh roy mcdonald there's so much on the line for him right now but he's been waiting he had that he wanted that opportunity to see uh, so many times and he was well deserved over you know with victories over like you know tyron woodley he had all kinds of great wins in the but they never give him that time to shine and then they bring him over here the Bellator and he gets the title and then they want to try to boost him real quick. And like, it's almost like he, you, you exactly like you said, he's kind of like doing the same thing that Alice, Alexander Gustafsson was doing. You know, he's kind of just like, uh, I'm, I've, I've lost all motivation. I've lost, I've lost my drive. It's hard to stay hungry right now, but you know, with all the things that he's got on his plate right now, you know, we really don't know what's going on in his mind and what's going on in his personal life. He may be going through some, you know, really wicked shit, but now that he's on top, you know, he's got a lot more, more stress on him now. So, uh, but uh, going on to, an, you know, I mean, I agree with you wholeheartedly right there. And uh, I don't think I'd put any money on this fight either. If I were going to put money on, I'd probably have to go with Roy McDonald. But like you said, there's just that, that you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm nervous about, you know, his, his what, what's his, uh, his why, you know. I don't, I don't know. What, why is he doing it right now, you know. And, uh, do you know, because he's got, do you know what the odds are? Uh, I could take a look at it right now because um, I was going to take a look at it a second that's, ago. That's the only thing that I would consider is if I haven't, I haven't had a chance to look at him, but if Neiman is a big, big underdog, I'm talking like, you know, minus 800 or better, not a bad idea to throw 10 bucks on him for that. Oh, no, McDonald's minus 170, Neiman's mm-hmm. plus 145. Plus 145? Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, if you yeah, you can't put money on that. I mean, th- that seems like a great value for Rory, but again, where Rory's head is, it's just it's not worth it. I mean, I, th- I think that Rory Dangerous, should be, yeah. 
Yeah, Roy should be a, an eight to one favorite over Demon Gracie. I don't, you know, wasn't even got three fights or something. I mean, you know, he, yeah, he's, he's got, he's, he can't have that many. And well, nine, and then, and then, he's got nine fights total. Well, hey, now that we're talking about all as we're sitting here looking, Chel Sonnen's plus two fifty against Lula Machida. That's and, um, I, that's a good play. I, I gotta say, I don't hate those odds, and just for the value of that bet, plus two fifty. Uh, and you might want to sprinkle a little bit on that because Leota Machida is uh, is prone to being taken down, and he's also he leaves that chin hanging high. And Chelsonen's able to hit a you know a, a fake shot to an overhand uh, left or right. He could hit you know he could he could it could be lights out for Machida. I'm I'm not gonna if I were gonna place a bet on that, I wouldn't place a, a heavy wager on it, but maybe like you know ten bucks to win twenty five wouldn't hurt you know wouldn't hurt my feelings. Yeah, I'm and, not against uh, I'm not against that either. Chael's going to be a lot bigger, I think, coming into this. You know, Machida's coming up from 185, and Chael's technically coming down from heavyweight because his last fight was in the tournament. Um, so, yeah. you know, I, I think I know Chael's was cutting, uh, you know, a decent amount of weight to get down to 205. I don't know. I haven't seen anything about Leota in a while, so I don't know. I think Leota's his takedown defense is some of the best, but. You know, going against somebody that big and that heavy, um, but you, you know, Leo is a scary son of a bitch, man. He, he also yeah. might just kick. He might he also might just kick Chelsea's oh, yeah. teeth out. Oh yeah, he's got some scary, scary tri- striking. I could see a front kick to the to the chin, and uh, it'd be curtains for Chelsea real quick too. So that could be a waste of ten bucks for myself. Yeah, uh, that Max- could be, but it, I think it's a good play. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna sprinkle a little bit on it, and then uh, we'll. Uh, last but not least, I want to look at that. Uh, uh, let's see, Darren Caldwell is minus one sixty five for our lock too. By the way, I was looking at that, and then um, uh, what, uh, I just wanted to relay a little little something that we were talking about Dylan Danis earlier. We don't know a lot about Max Mur- uh, Humphrey, but uh, Dylan Danis, in his own right, I want to say that uh, Daniel Dennis uh, is an Olympic wrestler, uh, two thousand sixteen team that I got to train with for my for my last fight this past weekend, and. Uh, you know, we're, I was fighting 175, and uh, this you can keep in mind, this cat's like 150 pounds. But uh, if you ever wrestle against him, he makes you feel like you've never wrestled before in your life. I mean, mm-hmm. he's amazing. But uh, I wrestled with him, and he was talking to Ben Askren at the World World Team Trials this year. And uh, he, he just had to ask him because, you know, people get – you know, Daniel, you know, confused with Dylan, you know, because, they're you know, they're both high-caliber – athletes in their own perspective and he asked he says so what's the deal with this Dylan Danis guy like I mean can you tell me about him and Ben Askren actually said you know I don't mean I'm not trying to be ugly he goes everybody in their own perspective trains for what they're good at he said and I will say that I think that uh, uh, Dylan Danis is actually one of those like special kids that you knew in school that was really autistic and focused on one aspect of the game and basically what what Ben Askren was trying to say is the nicest way of uh, this is the nicest way that he's one of the special special kids. You know what I'm saying? That grew up not really knowing anything except for jujitsu. He said, but he's really he's he's basically just a dumbass and doesn't know right from wrong. But he does know jujitsu and he's he's doing what he can with it. And he said, but if he ever wants to fight me, I'll fuck him up. That's basically <laughs> what the Ben Askren said. So. Uh, uh, I'm excited to see Dylan Danis actually get out there and mix it up again because I'll be honest, his first MMA fight really didn't impress me a whole lot. He, he once he got to the ground, I, I'm, I'm just gonna say it was it was good, but it, it wasn't 
it wasn't like head and shoulders beyond out of this world what he sold himself to be before the fight. I think that, you know, Conor McGregor's got into a lot of his guys' head and tried to talk to them and tell them to sell their fights and really, really, you know, just try to get into the skin. But some of them just aren't as good. They aren't good at it. And Dylan Danis is one of the ones that I think need to take a step back from the, uh, the entertainment industry and really get focused on his uh, whole whole game this whole game aspect before he wants to talk any more shit because this Max Humphrey guy is a plus one six oh five underdog. So we expect him to go to the ground and get submitted real quick. But uh when Dylan Dana steps up in competition, I think he's gonna see we're gonna see a totally different guy than you have seen in his previous fight and this fight. But uh you have any any tell on that right there? Dylan's not I mean, you know, I've I've seen some some nogi uh contest with him. Um he, you know he's he's all right. He's, he, you know he's he's a high level black belt. There's nothing super super spectacular that stands out about him. Um, he came up under um, uh, uh, Garcia. Uh, oh my gosh, Marcelo Garcia. And uh, you know something happened not too long ago, and they got he got in a little bit of heat uh, and got kicked out of Marcelo's gym and. I think around the time that happened, he met up with Connor, and, and you know, basically, he's just been Connor's jujitsu coach, uh, and just just trying to steal as as much light as he can. Um, in that first fight, his striking was horrendous. They went to the ground, and he uh, got him in a, a, a toehold um, for the, for the win. I don't know. We'll we'll see. I mean, there's some guys. There, there's another guy uh, in the UFC, AJ Agazarm. I mean, in in uh, Bellator, AJ Agazarm. Um, who I think it'd be fun to see, you know, those two fight. Um, I think they, let's see, they may have had something scheduled to do a jiu-jitsu match at one point or something. I can't remember, but, um, you know, it'd be, be good to see what Dylan is really capable of, uh, there. But, you know, I think ultimately he's going to end up just being a wash. Um, he's only got one pro fight. It's in Bellator, um, you know they'll they'll try to they'll try to feed him as much as they can, but eventually yeah. he'll get he'll get baby sliced. <laughs> well, with that being said, uh, on Dylan Danis, I will say that I'm excited to watch him, regardless of what I think of him. Uh, he does that's what he brings to the table. He draws a crowd, and I, I will be watching Dylan Danis fight this fight uh, along with Chell uh, Chell uh, Sonnen, Logan Machida, and Roy McDonald, even Gracie. There, your last three, and don't forget about our lock of the week of Darren Caldwell and our own. Homegirl Taylor Turner fighting this weekend at Bellator. And if, uh, Justin, you ain't got nothing else to say about this card, I think we're going to wrap this uh, Valor Hour up. Yeah, man, I'm good. I just uh, want to give you one more shout-out. Congratulations last weekend. Hell of a win. Um, coming in, making good on that pro debut. We had a good night that night. Uh, still kind of <laughs> recovering from it. Um, <laughs> but can't wait to do it again, brother. Man, it, it, was, uh, it was a good time. I want to do it all again. That was a great time, man. All right, man. Uh, Y'all have a good night. I appreciate you, Justin, and uh, we'll see Tim back next week on the Valor Hour. We'll see you guys. This is an MMA report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan. Quick fix on Radio Influence. Coming up on this week's edition of the MMA Report podcast presented by Roman. I am going to have four interviews as you'll hear my conversations with Juan Archuleta, Ricky Bandejas, Jorgen DeCastro, and Peter Barrett. Plus, we'll look back at UFC 238, give our 
three stars of the night, a look at PFL, and look ahead to Bellator 222. Man, there's a whole lot of interesting fights on that card. And, of course, you can listen to the MMA Report podcast on RadioInfluence.com, the MMAReport.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, and be sure to check out our sponsor, Roman, as they have a special offer for the MMA Report podcast listeners, as you can get free two-day shipping. So listen to this week's episode of the MMA Report podcast to hear the interviews, hear myself and Daniel recap UFC 238, PFL 3, and preview Bellator 222. The MMA Report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.